Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I mean, what could go wrong for the 49ers is if they actually get put behind schedule by Brock Purdy. By, you know, either coughing up the ball or having a ball that might have floated on him land in a Cowboys hands instead of peacefully and mercifully on the ground. And we did see some balls get away from Brock. And maybe that was a little bit of those first nerves in his first postseason game. Kyle Shanahan on his conference call talked about how it's good for a, a young quarterback to be nervous because keeps your head on a swivel, keeps you frosty, but you got to control it all, too. Having nerves and jitters isn't about being nervous or not confident or scared. It's, man, we are amped up for this stuff, just like the fans are, just like everybody is. I mean, it is a big deal. It is a violent game, and you go out there, and you, you know, we're all revved up and on one. And sometimes when it's like that, it's you might miss a throw. You might make a bad play call. Some guys jump off sides. I mean, all that stuff happens. So that, that's just part of the game and learning how to play stuff at a high level with such intensity but still not make mistakes. And I do think that's all part of the game. But Brock will say, yeah, I'm wrapped up right now. And it's it's not about being nervous or anxious. It's just about that's what the situation is. And um, that's why it's hard for a lot of people. That's why a lot of people can be 80% on free throws. But then when they get into a real NBA game, they can't hit anything. So um, that's why some kickers are awesome in practice. And then you get into those games and it's, it's just different. So that happens with everybody. And um, the quarterback who's got to take all these hits and sit in the pocket, keep his eyes down the field, man, you better be rubbed up and in a mindset for a physical battle but also relaxed enough so that you don't overdo anything so that's the challenge of the position got to be ready to drive hard but not run your engine in the red basically is what he's saying right there and brock purdy hey maybe that engine was you know revved up in the red and the rpms came out a little bit too hot early and that explained some of the let's call it, it 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 he didn't look nervous but he did look out of sync early uh, there's there's no doubt about it. There He looked a little out of sync, but then he settled himself in. You want to know one of the plays that I really thought helped him settle in, Ray, was when he started scrambling and he put that, I'm calling it, I'm going to go, I'm going to invoke Walter Payton's running style here. When he gave him the show pony kick, I know that there's been a debate about calling it a high step or what did that look like or who do you remind you? That was signature Walter Payton show pony kick where you put yourself into another gear by a little high kick, ankle out, stammer step, which gets you around the corner more than just keeping the same pace to turn yourself into an easier to track target. It was, I thought that that play went as far as to settling him in as any play that he made through the air all day. Yeah, the other thing, and I, I, I looked this up last night, um, he has almost not been behind any appreciable amount except that when they were down 10 to the Raiders. So he hasn't had to go out of his way and become a hero. So he's been able to sort of stay within the parameters that Kyle Shanahan has set for him. If Dallas can get a 10-point lead early, we'll see how he copes with that because the Raider game was the one where the 49ers had to fight like hell to survive. And it wasn't that he was bad, but the more you ask of him in a high-pressure situation, I think the more Dallas will like its situation. Yeah. But for them to do that, they have to get ahead early. And therein lies my reasoning why they have to keep the ball for a long time early so that Purdy doesn't get a rhythm or a feel to get into his usual groove. And... The only way you can force him out of his comfort zone is to make him have to get points. 
It's just we got to stay close. We're losing. We're losing touch with them. So you're already one day ahead of my talking points to keep everyone fresh all week long because we've got several days of run up here. I don't want to just like dump all of my talking points into one show. Tomorrow's talking point. Oh, can we have tomorrow off then? No, 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 no. We're going to need to talk. If about I already did tomorrow's show, well, you didn't quite do the entirety of the show. But to well, me, what else do you need? One of the single biggest similarities between the Cowboys and the 49ers is both of these teams are outstanding front runners. And I wouldn't be surprised if whichever team was leading at the end of the first quarter wasn't the team that was leading when the game were over. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Both of these teams are excellent grabbing a lead and then suffocating a game and holding on to it. That's exactly what Dallas did last night. Now, they had a lot of help by a failing in many different directions Buccaneers team on the field with them. But as soon as they were up 18 nothing, you know, it became a nice talking point to say, well, you know, those, those missed point after touchdowns could really come back and haunt them. Not for a minute did I think that the four point after touchdowns were going to be haunting the Dallas Cowboys at any point in time in that game. They were up 24 nothing. Exactly. They just, you know, I mean, if you take those four missed extra points and just say, well, they only scored three touchdowns, but they got a field goal, you know. That's 24-2. Just, the fact was, Tampa got zero right. until it, the game was way over. The only thing it real did, really did was leave open an easier mathematical equation to dig yourself out of a hole based on, oh, well, we can go you know, and convert two two-point conversions and make that up right there. And you know, it just made the math easier to see on the football calculator, but it didn't make it any more of a reality to actually appear in that game. If only they could have gotten Brady to throw 75 balls. <laughs> hey, they were on their way. They certainly tried. Uh, I want to get back to Brock Purdy's afternoon, again, which started a little bit slowly, only to see it end with him becoming the first rookie quarterback in league history to account for four touchdowns in a postseason game. And remember... There very much could have been a fifth if Brandon Ayuk running out of end zone is able to hold on to a pass that was delivered just pretty much perfectly to the last inch of the end zone, but Ayuk couldn't hold on to it. Ayuk even, like post game said, I'm sorry I didn't hold on to that one, man. I'm screwing up your highlight tape. Uh, we asked Peter King about that very play, and here's what he had to say about it earlier this week. Here's what is significant about that. Imagine the confidence that Brock Purdy has to have in himself, okay, to be able to make that play. And I think one of the things that I loved about it is that it looked like he looked at all four receivers multiple times on that play. And then he finally threw a bullet, a perfect throw, in the corner of the end zone to Brandon Ayuk. It was a tough catch. But, you know, I thought I should have caught it. But, but be that as it may, everything about that play just said great things about who Brock Purdy is and how he plays. There's been a lot of suggestions of greatness. I, I think in that last game alone, the suggestion of greatness it reared its head. It, it really reared its head. It, Brock Purdy, to me... The price of Brock Purdy's stock is going to keep on going up with every playoff success story that gets attached to him. But beyond just that, the way that he played that game a little bit differently than the games that he had played up to that point. In a, in a game that you'd think maybe keeping it more simple and closer to the vest is the game where Brock opened up his own playbook, if you will, his own abilities playbook to a level of scrambling and keeping plays alive that we really had not seen in the first five games that he had played in a 49er uniform. So that was impressive to me. His 332 passing yards are the second most by a rookie in his first career playoff game and the most since Sammy Baugh from back in 1937. I mean, that's pretty significant. 
He became the first player with multiple passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown in his first playoff game for the 49ers since Colin Kaepernick did so against the Packers in 2012. He threw for the most yards in a postseason game for a 49er quarterback since Joe Montana threw for 357 in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 23 to be exact. I had to ask Ray earlier off the top of my head, Ray, is that the 55-10 blowout over the Broncos? No, that was the game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, the one that they... Second go-around. Yeah, they still struggled in that one, too. They struggled in both of them against Cincinnati. Right, but that wasn't John Taylor... No. I saw John Candy game. Yeah, that that wasn't the... uh, I think that was the Dan Buns game. Buns. Um... Purdy became the youngest player in league history at 23 years old in 18 days at the day he did it to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns in a postseason game. By the way, the oldest remaining quarterback in the NFL's postseason is Dak Prescott. He's 29. That's an old man all of a sudden uh, among the still remaining quarterbacks out there alive in this NFL postseason. Kyle Shanahan talked about on his conference call yesterday the conversation he had at halftime to make sure Purdy was settled into the game. When Brock sees the tape, he's, he's always so honest with himself, and I think we see see it very similar, and I think he trusts that we see stuff when he isn't seeing it, um, and I think he also knew that. And, and so I think when you go in in the first half and you're averaging eight and a half yards of play and you've scored on all your three possessions, uh, you just came up short in the red zone on two, I don't think there is much of a panic. I think everyone's like, holy cow, we're getting after the, these guys. We just we got to start scoring touchdowns because we missed two opportunities. We've only had the ball three times. Let's figure out how to finish these. And so I don't think there was much, it wasn't that big of a deal at halftime. It was that first half almost went as good as it could. But if we don't finish some of these big plays and we just keep getting field goals, then we're going to have to be dependent on them not scoring the rest of the game to try to win. And we don't have to be dependent on that. So I think coming out in the first drive of the third quarter, throwing things down a little bit and just going on a good drive that ended with seven, I think that was a huge deal for us. And then it kind of took off from there. I thought it was a huge deal, too. The fact that the 49ers would go on their what was their longest drive of the entire season, their first 13-play drive, I believe, of the entire year uh, when they were down after halftime is a testament to how smoothly they did come out of that locker room, all things considered. But I agree with Kyle Shanahan. The problem that the 49ers had at halftime was the way that their defense was playing. Not even their red zone shortcomings, to me, was a real problem of that first half. It was the Jimmy Ward hit that brought Seattle into a junk field goal range at the end of the half that actually had you down one at halftime. I don't know if you caught this at all last night, Ray. Were you watching the actual broadcast or the Manning cast? I watched the actual. So I toggled between both, but I had not heard this until I saw it today. Um, Awful Announcing tweeted this out. And Peyton Manning, talking to Eli on the Manning cast on ESPN2, was asked about how important it is to make halftime adjustments. Because let's face it, Ray, there is no talking point that studio hosts love more than the talking point of the halftime adjustments that either were made after the fact or need to be made as they're being made at halftime because they're killing halftime. They love, love, love talking about the halftime adjustments. Remember Dan Reeves? The greatest halftime adjustering head coach in football. Nobody, nobody halftime adjusted like Dan Reeves. You gave him a problem in the first two quarters. By golly, he would go into that locker room and he would fix it all at halftime. And that's why the Washington team won so much when he was there. And it was too bad that he liked driving in NASCAR too. Because you can't make halftime adjustments in a race. But boy, you can make halftime adjustments in the NFL. Well, Peyton Manning basically blew all of that up last night on the Manning cast. I don't know about you. I don't think I've ever made a halftime adjustment in my entire 18-year career. I think that's the biggest myth in football, the halftime adjustments, right? You go in, yeah, but you, eat, you use the restroom, you eat a couple of oranges, and then the head coach says, all right, let's go. Yeah, no question. I mean, you're in there for like three minutes. So. <laughs> There's no time. In other words, you get a, a, a lame mini pep talk, you get a potassium replacement, and you take a leak. That's what really goes. That's the adjustment at halftime. No, that's the adjustment at halftime that Peyton Manning had to do. Because Peyton Manning was not only a superb quarterback, he was a guy who ran his own huddle and one of the last ones to do it. So he was going to be the one who made the adjustments himself. You know, 
because he was the one doing most of the play calling as, as well as everything else. So, well, Eli's whatever, agreeing though, and he didn't quite have that level of independence. N- maybe not, but what's he going to do? Peyton's the guy who makes the money, so Eli's along for the ride. But I think there are coaches who make adjustments that they just don't necessarily have to do with the quarterback. Maybe he does stuff on the defensive side. Maybe he, maybe he, you know, is doing some things in protection. I don't think there are a lot of adjustments you can give a quarterback because you've already given him a metric ton of stuff to learn uh, during the week for every situation. So I think in terms of a quarterback, yeah, you probably aren't a lot of adjustments to make. But for most coaches, in fact, all now, since they all call their own plays, uh, I think these adju- these adjustments show up in terms of play selection more than anything else. Peyton Manning didn't have to worry about that because he was the guy who selected the plays. It was pretty much his show, and he got to run it the way he wanted to. Yeah, who's going to argue with him? Well, he did say in 18 years. So from day one, there were no halftime adjustments for Peyton Manning? Okay. I believe there were a few. He might have been exaggerating a bit for effect. But I'd say after year four, once he no longer became the turnover machine that he started off as, and the Colts got better, uh, I'll bet it's true. I'll bet they didn't have to tell him anything at halftime. A, they were probably ahead. And B, the team they were playing wasn't as good as the as soon as were. David Cutcliffe was like, "I can teach him no more." We're, we're yeah. pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just it's yeah. There, he's right that way too much is made of you know stuff that happens in the halftime, you know, in in the twelve minutes of halftime. But they've got you know the the guys have to do their dance. What are they going to talk about? Well, that's the thing. The it's, stuff you saw or the stuff that makes football mystical. It's myth-making. It's the fairy tale. Yeah. It's the win-one for the Gipper speech that echoes throughout history. And, and that's, they, 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 they love selling a little real-life myth-making in real time. But uh, there's some honesty there from, yeah. from, I mean, from, from Peyton Manning. The, the, great, the, great, the first great NFL championship game that people remember was the Ice Bowl game. And... Before the, the play that won, that's the quarterback sneak by Bart Starr that won the game in this horrendous weather. It was like minus 20. It was the day that the frozen tundra was truly invented. Yeah. And they call a timeout before the last play. And Bart Starr tells Vince Lombardi, who, of course, was the godhead of all football, then he says, Look, let's just run the same thing we did last time. All I have to do is get down lower. When I when I go into the line. It's all we have to do. I know we can do it. And Vince Lombardi's great adjustment to that was, okay, get in and let's get the hell out of here. That's an adjustment I can live with. Just go back and let's get the hell out of here. There, there, there's a lot less thinking than we go on than we think goes on. And the fact that they wrap the game around so much technology that they make it impenetrable for most people to enjoy is, I guess, the thing of its time. You know, make everything seem more complicated than it is. But ultimately, it is my big guys push your big guys over, and I win. Hey, there are some real, real honest-to-God football truths that are going to be true at all times. Low man wins. That's a football truth. Yeah, that I is mean, basically ninety nine point nine percent accurate. I mean, John Harbaugh blaming Tyler Huntley for trying the quarterback sneak with a jump instead of just burrowing his way through the guard's legs to to get into the end zone. I mean, it just it's yeah. Is it old school football? Yeah, but Kalen Kaler of the Athletic wrote a long thing about one of the reasons why Jalen Hurts is so good. The Eagles do two things when he runs into the line. On a, on a short yardage situation. One, they push from behind. And the other thing is, they grab his shirt and they pull him. So he's being pushed from behind and pulled from ahead. And they said it works like 92% of the time. Well, that's also, you know, one of the best centers in all of football and Jason Kelsey. But it's the guards doing it. It's the tackles. It, it, it doesn't matter what the hole is that he hits. That's what they're doing in short yardage. And technically, it might be illegal. And the Eagles didn't, you know, confirm anything with her, but she ate enough tape to see, no, that's what they're doing. And they're not going to call that penalty ever. So it still is about my big guy against your big guy. I remember the, the, like, the pushing the quarterback into the end zone. There was an element of taboo around that. 
it, there there isn't any more. It, it's common. No, they, they've decided. Yeah, they've decided not to call that anyway. You, it's, I think it's still in the books as illegal, but everybody does it now. Nobody complains about it, so it becomes a rule that is. I'm going to go back to the, the breach, the, Lucas. I'm going back to the Matt Leinart play in South Bend. You know what I'm saying? Lucas isn't even paying attention to the show right now. Wait, what, what do you mean right now? Right now? Well, he's talking to someone else. There's some, there's some someone very important. How about the John Curley is in the studio, ladies and gentlemen. If you're a, a fan of 95.7 The Game, that is a and why would you a, a name that is near and dear to so many people's hearts. Well, why go, isn't he home yet? Go Reardon. Go I mean, Reardon. It's, it's 20 after 5. He's been here probably since 5 in the morning because he's a weirdo. Did you get me a car today, John? How's, how's a car hunt going? Car? Oh, there's a, there's a thumbs up. Lucas, is there honesty attached to that thumbs up? I mean, I mean it's, it's John Curley. It's John There's honesty Curley. attached to everything he says. Exactly. He, it's like having a, an Eagle Scout walking around the radio station. It really is. He's lying through his teeth. We'll find out. How much longer am I Ubering to work? Let's track the days, shall we? Until your wife runs out of money? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's both our money, Ray. We're sharing it. Okay. That's the story you want to tell the lawyers. You go right ahead. We're sharing it. We're sharing it. It's, 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 it's a distribution of wealth among the Bruces. That's how it works. Fine. Uh, we, have, that. we have a very, very important things to get to. We're dismissing the actual concept of halftime adjustments even existing. There's another little bit of a cliche, if you will, that I think is going to take a little dismissing or reevaluating this week as we look at what D'Amico Ryans has to do. D'Amico Ryans is going to be interviewing with four different NFL teams for their head coaching open, uh, their vacancy, their opening. And one of the things you hear throughout the entirety of training camp and two-a-days and the preseason and the regular season, and then certainly it means the most in the postseason, is we are trying to limit outside distractions and noise. Limiting distractions. We don't want any distractions. No distractions, please. What could be more distracting than your defensive coordinator taking maybe a day to interview with four different NFL franchises? Like, that to me is worse than any picketing that could ever be going on outside of your stadium, if that's a level of distractions you'd like to illuminate. Like, what could be possibly more distracting than your defensive coordinator is distracted from the task at hand. Kyle Shanahan was asked about any advice for all the, you know, interviews that D'Amico has in front of him this week. And I don't know if he was talking about distractions here, but here's what Kyle had to say about D'Amico Ryan's handling all these interviews while they're still in the playoffs. My advice is you just got to you gotta set that aside and the specific times that you are going to deal with it. It was very easy for me because at that time when we had the two seed, we had a bye week. So I was able to set aside, you know, we got three days off just in the building and I was able to set aside two days only for those interviews. So I knocked them all out then and everything after that was, there wasn't anything after that. Um, I completely shut it off and went right back to the playoffs. And the difference for D'Amico, that'll be similar to what McDaniel had to go through last year. We don't have that bye week, but I think he has a couple times set aside for Thursday and Friday, which he'll do two interviews, I believe, those two days um, with Denver and Houston. Then I think he'll plan on the other ones after. So Friday afternoons, we get some time off, so that shouldn't cut into anything. And usually on Thursdays, we, we finish a little bit earlier than we do on the other nights in the week. So it's a chance to do that Thursday night. So when you just set the, the time aside for that, it's a lot for D'Amico kind of to prepare for, but I think he is prepared for it. And uh, when you're done with those, you go right back to the most important thing at hand, and, and that's us finding a way to win the Sunday. Now, look, obviously Kyle is going to go ahead and support his guy and give him all the room that his his guy might need to become an NFL head coach one day that is life-changing money and it is a career-changing opportunity afforded to very few. So when you have the chance to chase that, you go chase it. But at the same time, Kyle is also lying through his teeth because preparing for the Dallas Cowboys is a while-you-are-awake-this-day job. No one leaves the facility during the postseason. No one goes home. 
Nobody has three hours unto themselves on a Friday afternoon because it was penciled in. That might have been penciled in for the players, but it was not penciled in for any coach to go ahead and, yes, think about another football team that has nothing to do with us beating the Dallas Cowboys. That is the lie that he's telling right there. And he's telling it on behalf of his guy and trying to make him look good. And and I get it. But 18-hour-a-day preparation for the Dallas Cowboys is the normal ask at this time of the year. I don't think 18 is the normal ask. I think you've got everything you're going to do that you're going to give the players in by Thursday because they don't really practice. They, 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 do they do a very casual walkthrough on Friday, and they don't really do anything on Saturday. So there are windows for him to do what I believe will be cursory interviews. You can talk to you can talk to a general manager for half an hour, 45 minutes, and then reschedule for something when the playoffs are over. You know, true, it, it may diminish your chances of getting the job, but if they really like you, they'll wait. So I don't think it's going to be a matter of worrying about how much time he spends. And he also, unless I misunderstood, said he was going to do two interviews this week and the others later. So maybe it's not it's four. Only, That's not four, technically. Yeah. So if he's only doing two, he can knock those off in an hour each and not impact any of prep any of the preparation. Because by Friday, everything you've told the players you want, they've learned or they've heard it. And you're not gonna come up with some new brainstorm Friday night in bed. You know, everything that's done is done. By the way, I need to make an in-show adjustment. I can't believe you didn't jump on me to correct this. I said Dan Reeves as the great halftime adjuster. It's actually not who I was thinking of. It was Joe Gibbs. Well, okay. Joe I, mean, I thought you were talking about Dan Reeves when he was coaching the the uh, the Broncos. No, Joe Gibbs is who I meant because then I said he went on to NASCAR and that was Joe Gibbs. Well, that was Joe Gibbs. Well, I thought you switched, switched gears in one of your occasional forays of freedom there we go uh, you know but results no, no, are not I did, guaranteed yeah, i don't think the the interview thing is a problem i also don't think that he's a favorite for either of those jobs but no he's gonna have to he's gonna have to blow those interviews out of the water yeah. in order to really be considered for them and truthfully if either of those owners is in a hurry to hire somebody D'Amico ryan's isn't their guy anyway because they can't know this but they have to assume that the 49ers are going to be playing a while longer. So if they want to talk to him now, knowing full well he can't really devote much time to their projects for another three three to four weeks, um, they're either willing to wait because they really, really like him, in which case they'll interview him again, or they'll just move on. Peter King says that the NFL's got this interviewing process all screwed up and cockeyed and they shouldn't do it like this. And I think I agree. All of the teams who have lost basically leaned on the NFL and said, you know, we want to be able to take care of our business before the middle of February. We want to get our coach hired so that we can start on preparation for next year. And look, I understand why they do that. But it is absolutely, totally, unequivocally unfair to the teams that employ them. No matter what you say, D'Amico Ryans is going to have his attention in two different places, probably five different places this week. I just don't like it. It's not fair to the 49ers. And D'Amico Ryans is a great guy. He's an excellent coach. He deserves to be a head coach in the NFL. But all of this stuff should be handled uh, on February 15th. I mean, I agree. I agree. Why not just put a moratorium on any negotiations? All back channels are still open for business because that's how back channels work no matter what. And you just get guys being able to concentrate on the job at hand. Uh, the NFL owes it to itself to get it right. And they owe it to teams that are having success enough to be playoff teams to have all hands on deck as they prepare for playoff games. They also owe it to coaches with ambitions on good teams to give them an opportunity to enter the field. And it should be remembered that the owners don't take orders from the league. The league takes orders from the owners. And if you're an owner with a coaching vacancy, you're not going to pay attention to the league at all. You're going to say, well, okay, find me a hundred grand. 
I can take that out of the coffee money. You know, I mean, David Tepper's worth twelve billion. You think he's going to be, you know, he's dissuaded good. from talking to somebody, you know, over a hundred thousand dollar fine? No, he's not going to bother. No. So here's the thing: you cannot punish any NFL owner with a monetary fine. The money is so good. What you have to do is make it punitive to team building. You you lose draft picks. And they'll do it anyway because the Rams showed that you can win a Super Bowl by giving away draft picks. 49ers have chunked away but draft there, picks. But there's a difference between they're... giving away draft picks and trading them. There's a big difference. Okay, but if you're, you're still owner, getting a player into the room. If you're an owner and you want Sean Payton, you're hiring him, telling him, okay, you have one less draft pick because I'm talking to you. Fix that. And here's $20 million. There isn't a price you can put on a billionaire with a hankering to do a job. No, but I'm saying that there could be a punitive, damaging enough penalty that comes along with you skirting the rule book that would at least allow you to think twice. There, there's no NFL owner who would need like a, a talking to if you told them that, hey, you know, if you, you jeopardize the first four rounds of this draft. The first four picks of this draft could disintegrate if you if you approach this guy before Friday afternoon at three o'clock. But after at three o one on Friday, we can talk to him and lose no draft picks. So let's just wait. Then we'll talk to his agent again. Back channels are always open. Well, then, well, then the back channels make make the rule meaningless because if you could still contact the coach through his agent. You're getting done what you need to get done. Right. But all rules are meaningless and you're a cynic and you should understand that. Well, that's my point. It just, whether you put a rule in or not, business is going to get done. So with all due respect to Peter, who's right in the fairness issue, uh, the fact is the NFL is not about fair. And the NFL is not about we have to protect the good teams. Their, their theory is, no, we have to protect the owners. And if the owner wants to do business the day after his season ends... The owner's going to do business because that's what the NFL is. It's a cartel of 32 billionaires who get to tell the league what they're going to do. Well, and, you know, somebody here on the Xfinity mobile text line says, look, you know, the 49ers waited for Kyle in 2017. Sometimes waiting is worth it. But as Kyle just told you, they were the two seed, which came with the bye week, which gave them an opportunity to sit down and not finalize anything with Kyle, but open up negotiations. And basically, Kyle starts looking around at the landscape and he's like, yeah, there's no team that makes more sense for me to join. And if they're basically giving me the right of first refusal until my Super Bowl run with the Falcons is over, I'm going to take that. I mean, there it was a different format, which allowed what felt like, uh, well, the Niners didn't even approach Kyle Shanahan until the Super Bowl was over. No, they had a handshake deal before that Super Bowl even started. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the other point. Is it, The assumption is that an assistant coach being approached by another team for an hour-long Zoom interview is suddenly going to become so flummoxed that he fails to do his job. And I think that's naive. I think coaches know how to manage time. That's how they got to the position they're in now. I don't think D'Amico Ryans is going to be impacted by talking to the Denver Broncos and the Houston Texans for a moment. And if they give up 45 points on Sunday, I don't think it's going to be because D'Amico Ryans forgot what team he works for. Uh, somebody here says, uh, oh, it's Zucci, uh, Zucci Maine who says, Damon, you know, your, your, your Joe Gibbs mistake. You want to blame that on the stroke? Absolutely. Every mistake that happens on this show that isn't Ray's fault is the stroke's fault. I'm mistake-free, but the stroke sometimes makes them occur within me. So it's the stroke's fault. I don't make mistakes. The stroke made me make the mistake, unless it was Ray's mistake, in which case he would never admit to such thing. We'd have to drag it out of him. Nah, I just wouldn't care. Well, there's that too. There's I'll, bl I'll blame my mistakes on your stroke. Well, I'm surprised you haven't gone away with it. Well, I mostly because I have Lucas. You can also always turn around and blame things on Oh, Lucas. yeah. I mean, that's see, that's the key to adult living. Delegation Luke, of blame. Lucas, I was... It's the wrong button to push. No, it's that. the right button to push. It was the, it was the liner, Bush push. Oh, the Bush push. At, at, the at, Grandy uh, push. Yeah, the Bush push in, in South Bend. 
Sure. When they grew the grass out extra long to try and slow down the Trojans. Hey, How'd that work? How do you think we slowed down foul ball or uh, ground balls at Wrigley Field for yep. Ryan Sandberg and Jerome or uh, Sean Dunstan for all those years? Who are you going to say, Jerome Walton? Oh, I almost said Jerome Walton, but he was in that. He was in the outfield. He wasn't yeah. in the. They had a long outfield grass there too. Um, anyway, <laughs> look, the price of poker goes up significantly for the 49ers. if Saturday plays out the way it might. Let me ask you, right? Because we got our we got our final four, right? We got our last four games of the football season. Saturday we got Jaguars Chiefs, followed by Giants Eagles. Sunday morning, we got Bengals at Bills and Cowboys at the 49ers. Which game to you would you wager might be upset city? Uh, Bengals-Bills. A, it's going to be played in snow. B, Josh Allen's advantages as a quarterback are negated by the fact that he's playing against Joe Burrow. And third, I think the Bengals are every bit as good as the Bills, no matter what the number is. I think the Bills have come back down to earth a little bit. So, yeah, I, I would put that game on my one line of possible upsets. Not to mention, historically, betting against Buffalo in the postseason has always made a little sense. Yeah, I you mean... to talk about curses? You know, yeah. the Chargers have just, you know, have just got more glorious or harder to explain defeats maybe than Buffalo, but it's not like they've taken worse ones. No, but the Chargers, like I said, 24 of them just in the last 20 years alone. That's an extraordinary number that Buffalo cannot approach. Well, the Chargers beat you in horror and volume. What's my conversion rate, though, for Super Bowl horrors? Because there are no Chargers Super Bowl horrors. Well, there was one. The one where the 49ers beat them like drums from the start, and they were trying to figure out how to you know, measure their scores, and it turns out they didn't get any. Right, that's right. Junior Seau, before he got to the Patriots, they went to that Super Bowl, and they got skinned alive. Yeah, I mean, but we're we're, we're off the topic. Right. No, I, I, think, I think... Here's the thing. The 49ers were clearly, no doubt about it, didn't even have a single San Diego fan at the time making an argument that they weren't the better team. The Buffalo Bills lost several Super Bowls in which they were the better team. I don't care what the line even said, but that was an awesome team. The first team was the one that should have won. But they got worse with every successive right. Super Bowl they to the no- point where the last two, they not only were underdogs, nobody thought they had a shot to win. They had no chance against the Dallas Cowboys, but they had a chance against the New York Giants. They should have beaten the Giants. And they had a chance against Mark Rippon. And that Washington team, they had they had less of a chance than they did against the Giants. But you're right; they sh- they should have come away with two. But the last two, I I wouldn't give those to them. I mean, but no, I think I think Bengals Bills has the best chance of an upset, followed by Giants Eagles. And look, and then Jaguars Chiefs. If you're right about that, and it is Giants Eagles by three thirty kickoff Sunday afternoon. The 49ers not only have a chance to go to the NFC title game, they will have a chance to host the NFC title game. Ray, did you just hint at the Niners being the lock of the weekend? No, I did not. Oh. You said you went down the list of most likely upsets and you you left the Niners out. That doesn't make them a lock. Okay, go on. I already said what I wanted to say. And stop being my mother. Just continue to be a mother. Don't you dare for a second even try to shine a spotlight on Ray thinking the 49ers have the best chance of winning. He would hate that if that went public. He would hate that. It would totally ruin his image. No, I just don't I just don't like the Cowboys in this spot. I think it's like Kalashaw said so, and Pete, doesn't that mean you like the Niners in this spot? But it doesn't make them a lock. He no. asked me if they were a lock and I said no. Right. But I'm also asking you if not liking the Cowboys in this spot is any way tangentially related to the 49ers. <laughs> I think, you think the, the Cowboys was, lose well, this to This anyone? is going to come as a huge surprise to you, but I think the Cowboys are the worst team of the, of the two. Okay. I think the 49ers are better. Wow, can we cut that? I mean, print the t-shirts. I think the 49ers are better. Yeah, that's a real revelation. 
coming from you? They're not coming from me. I just it's a it's a it's a basic fact. I don't think anybody believes the Cowboys are inherently the better team. I don't think Jerry Jones believes they're inherently the better team. They might end up being the better team on Sunday, but I don't think that's that's probably the way to bet. I think the number's too small. Let me tell you what we got when we come on back because this was an awesome awesome segment about the 49ers and Cowboys and all that is playoff football coming to you this weekend. I'm going to push the button. Maximum! When we come on back, we have Maximum White House trip for your Golden State Warriors. That's how we're going to close today's show. Right around the corner, it's Damon and Ratto. All of our guests appear on the Bud Light text line. And please do also remember that we are also brought to you by calhope.org. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. The Road to Glendale brought to you by Merrill West Credit Union. Working for you today, tomorrow, together. Listen to who we got coming up tomorrow on 95.7 The Game. First of all, a full day of great interviews begins at 8 in the morning. John Lynch is going to be on with the morning roast tomorrow. 49ers general manager, Hall of Famer, John Lynch, 8 a.m. Bob Myers at 1 in the afternoon with Steiny and Guru. And then losing the Who Show You Go On Lottery, Ray, are Justin Smith, former 49er, joins us tomorrow. Justin Smith, Steve Kerr at 4 o'clock, and Michael Irvin in the single most anticipated Michael Irvin interview we've given you since the last time the 49ers and Cowboys met in the postseason, which was almost exactly a year ago. So oh, my God. We're looking forward to that. Tomorrow, we got a great lineup of guests. So does every show on the station, basically. Ours are better. There you go. I just said that because... Brag on They're them, the right? only three that I have to hear. Brag. Brag. 
Nice job, Lucas. We're looking forward to it. Uh, Anthony Slater today was writing about uh, the uh, obviously the Golden State Warriors because that's what he does. And he was talking about how one of the reasons they were propelled with a great defensive effort or at least a good defensive effort, especially from Draymond, in their win over the Wizards in the nation's capital is these two fans who kept on riding Draymond and... Dre even talked about him post-game yesterday. He just was talking from the start of the game until I shut him up. He, he stopped, obviously. But he had just been talking, like, the entire time. So I appreciate it, though, because I had nothing. I had nothing going. I couldn't find it. Wasn't about to find it. And then shout out to them. It was two of them. He got me going. So I appreciate those guys. It's part of me that loves a good story. And if you're offering me a good story or the truth, I'll tell you, print the legend. There's another part of me that tells you that the funny thing attached to all that is Bob Myers and Mike Dunleavy Jr. basically uh, talked to uh, Joe Lacob and such because everyone was going to the White House today. So the entire entirety of the Golden State Warriors was at that game. And they basically said that they would be happy to fly those two fans to Boston to fire Draymond up to play in that game, too. So ha ha ha, funny lines all around. Ray, there's also an element of serious we serious about this Draymond like it you needed fans to fire you up for that game you can't summon your own uh will to want to win in a season that has gone awry by your own like you really need that going for you I don't think it's just him though I think they wanted because they were all flat and bland and not defending and playing poorly against a bad Washington team. And it does speak to the fact that they're sort of out of ideas in a, in, in a certain way. It's just that you, know, you can lecture them about proper defensive positioning and you know doing all the nuanced things the Warriors are, are used to doing. But if you can't go to the well where well, the fans will save us more than that once. Yeah, I mean... And, well, I mean, the, the, here's the one disturbing quote that I heard when... I think it was Draymond Green said, you know, you shouldn't let sleeping dogs lie. Why are you sleeping? Exactly. Why, why, is it this, why is it this hard to do the thing that you've always been able to do, which is defend aggressively, assiduously, and consistently? And there's one of two things. Either they're bored with it, or the young guys don't feel like it, or thirdly, they're starting to age out of the rigors that come with playing defense consistently. I'm not sure what it is, but they're definitely not consistent either within games or over stretches of games. Here's the thing. They're not very sure what it is. So you guys better get your own acts together. And any slack that you thought was built into the year that allowed you to take your eye off the ball or the night not that seriously or underestimate this opponent... All of that slack has been used up. It's time to play basketball like you freaking mean it. This will show up when we're ready to show up. You better be ready to show up right now because this league ain't afraid of the Warriors at all. As a matter of fact, I can tell you what other teams are preparing their teams to play the Warriors by saying. They're basically saying, unless these guys catch absolute fire from three tonight, we're probably going to win because we can pound them inside and they play defense like a CYO team sometimes. So they're really not the Golden State Warriors anymore unless Steph Curry and Jordan Poole are collectively with maybe... Clay Thompson stepping up to catch and throw a real heater at us. That ain't who they are anymore. It's not who they are every night. It's who they are often. It's who they are at home sometimes. Yeah, but they're they're the thing that frankly, you know, makes them if they really did think that, the thing that allows them to think that is that they're like two games out of first in their division and they're not very far away from from Denver, who's the only team in the entire conference that anybody has to fear. Don't fall for that illusion. That illusion of I we're close to the top of the standings is not indicative of the of the basketball I'm not you falling have played. For the not illusion. you, but they shouldn't. Yeah, they well, they, shouldn't no, they shouldn't. That I mean, because defense is the one thing that you can control, and either they can't do it night after night anymore, or they don't have enough guys doing it. And Draymond Green is one of the guys who does it every night. He is the most consistent defender they've got by far. Steph Curry at the White House podium today. Man, he's gotten good at this. Here's everything he said in about five minutes condensed to about two minutes. We are a team. We do it together. And to be able to celebrate our championship together with you here 
it means a lot to bring that trophy here. Um, it means a lot. I think we were here seven years ago for our first championship. So to uh, to have another opportunity to be here means means the world. Um, we had a connection, obviously, with your former boss, President Obama, with his Chicago ties and watching Coach Kerr and celebrating championships there. But there is a connection to you. Uh, I know you grew up in Scranton, in Pennsylvania, and that's two hours away from Philly, which is uh, where the Warriors organization began uh, in 1946 and won our first championship. So 46 has a nice ring within. <laughs> with you as a 46 president. Um, so that is a, a great connection there. And then obviously Vice President Harris uh, representing Oakland, representing the Bay Area, the way that we do every time we step foot on the court, which you'll be able to do here in D.C. means means the world. So you are, uh, are I know, a huge fan and you're loud with it too. And we, we love that. So we appreciate you uh, keep doing no, that's yeah. yeah. We, we love that. We love that spirit. And we want to continue to make you proud with everything that we do. And uh, again, for us to be here, to uh, find the, the the common synergies within you know what we do on the court and what we represent, and uh, when it comes to providing hope, inspiration, uh, belief uh, to everybody that watches us play, that's what you do in, in your roles uh, leading our country, and um, to continue to do exactly what you say, uh, do things together, uh, continue to preach that message. That's that's what we're all about, and, and obviously in the pursuit of of winning championships and doing amazing things. Uh, we, we brought some gifts for you. Uh, we have two jerseys, uh, a number 46 and a number 49 that we would love to have you a part of Dub Nation forever. And uh, um, maybe find it maybe on the wall in the Oval Office. Or in your office. <laughs> that would be, uh, we'll come back. Hopefully we'll be able to come back and check and see if it's up there. But uh, I want to say again, thank you for letting us uh, be here to celebrate and for our families, our staff, everybody here on the, on the stage. It means the world. And uh, hopefully this isn't the last time. So thank you. Number one, Steph is great at this now. There is no doubt what an ambassador they have. And number two, if they really want to go back and check out to see if that jersey is hanging in an Oval Office one day, you better start playing some defense. They better get those fans to Boston because that's where the Warriors are going on Thursday. We're going to be back tomorrow. Again, an amazing guest list. Justin Smith, Steve Kerr, Michael Irvin tomorrow live at 5. Uh, thanks so much to Tim Kalishaw for joining us today. For Ray, I'm Damon. Great job on the other side of the glass, guys. Thank you very much. Please do remember, sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he's gone. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.